This program was recorded earlier for broadcast at this time. No phone calls can be accepted. Indeed, and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson, and thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose today. Strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team I work with, producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. I am just blessed to work with amazing people. Check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com, and thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And for this week of Independence Day week, uh, we are recording all of these shows, uh, A, because um, uh, we want to celebrate Independence Day. The team wants to take a little bit of time off, and so we have arranged for amazing guests, and one of those guests, a fan favorite, is Dr. Douglas Groteis. He is a professor of philosophy at the Denver Seminary, the author of 18, almost 19 books. Dr. Douglas mm-hmm. Groteis, it is so good to have you here. Well, thank you. Happy to be back. And uh, we're going to talk about this this book that you had written regarding the summer of love, if you will. Mm-hmm. The summer of, what was it, 2020, you'd written this book, <clears throat> Fire in the Streets, How You Can Confidently Respond to Incendiary Cultural Topics or Culture Topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, we interviewed you shortly after the book was uh, published. Mm-hmm. Things ha- Have things changed? What, what do you want people to know? Well, I think the problems that I address in this book are still with us, and it's in some ways the battle of ideologies or the ideology of what's called critical race theory versus really American ideals, or you might say Americanism. That's how I really frame it in the book. And we hear a lot about critical race theory uh, in the schools, in politics, in media, and so on. And it's uh, really a hot topic. I'm not sure a lot of people know what it is, you know what it means. Some people will say, well, it's just a, a boogeyman. There's nothing to worry about. We just need to talk about race in the schools and have equity in politics. But if I can find a nutshell for it, critical race theory is a neo-Marxist theory that really understands society essentially and primarily in terms of race. So all problems are essentially, at their base, racial problems. So it's a kind of dualism where you have an oppressor class, which would be uh, the white race and also especially white males who are responsible for all the inequities in society, really. So if you want to talk about income disparities or educational disparities, whatever it is, the problem really goes down to race. So instead of making being a human being the essential category, and from a Judeo-Christian viewpoint, that is the essential category. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And we are put where we are. We are who we are because God is our creator. Instead of that, or instead of the idea that uh, all men are created equal, which is part of the American creed, Mm -hmm. the idea is that the most important thing about anybody is their race. So it's a group identity. It's a kind of identitarian politics or identity politics. And I don't take it to be true or helpful at all. Now, When I give talks on this, I often have to say that simply because I am a opponent of critical race theory 
it doesn't mean I deny the fact of racism today or that I deny that the American system, sadly, in the past, has been racist with slavery, Jim Crow laws, Jim Crow laws redlining, and so on. I, I certainly I, uh, affirm that. But the issue is fundamental worldview. Who are we as human beings? Is the American creed something to be preserved or something to be overthrown? And in the summer of 2020, during the George Floyd riots, a lot of people are saying some very revolutionary things in the bad sense of revolutionary, meaning we need to revolt against the entire American way of life, the entire American system. So there was a book that came out during that time called In Defense of Looting. And you remember, there were far more than just protests in 2020. There was looting, there was burning, pillaging, multi-millions of dollars of damage, people killed, people injured, uh, police being intimidated by mobs, and so on. And this book came out and said, well, looting is justified because these big companies have millions upon millions or billions of dollars, and they've essentially stolen it because profit is wrong intrinsically. See, this is a neo-Marxist view. And so there's nothing wrong with people that don't have stealing from those that have. And the person that wrote this book was actually interviewed on national public radio and received no criticism at all about the view. So the idea is that America is fundamentally, systemically unjust because it's fundamentally and systemically racist. It's baked into the system, as they say. And if it's baked into the system, the only way to change it is to completely deny uh, what America is all about. Well, Dr. Douglas Groteis, what I found so interesting regarding the summer of 2020 is uh, there was uh, actually equity by the looters that they not only uh, looted people that, had, that, that were white and their businesses, but uh, people mm -hmm. of color as well. Mm -hmm. And so it really, when you drill down even just a little bit, it doesn't hold up. It's it's we should call it in defense of stealing. <laughs> sure, that's what it is. One of the commandments is you shall not steal. And sometimes Martin Luther King is quoted as saying that riots are the language of the desperate or the language of desperation. And I would agree with that, but it's foul language. It's not the way to generate constructive change. And the deep thesis of my book is not just a critique of critical race theory as a neo-Marxist and false theory, but it's that the United States as a civilization has the resources in our, what you could call American creed, to reform for the better. We've seen that in many ways. We've seen that with the civil rights movement and the end of the Jim Crow era laws and so on. So we have in our declaration and in the Constitution uh, these wonderful, marvelous documents, as Martin Luther King put it in his speech. And we don't want to destroy those. See, there's this idea that because America began when many of the states allowed for slavery, that the whole structure and system is corrupt and irredeemable, really. We need to start over again somehow. And this is the Marxist idea, that society is built on the backs of the oppressed the neo-Marxist view of critical race theory really focuses on race as the main issue, not so much the economic categories. But it still uses the economic categories. So it would say if the average income of whites is higher than the average income of blacks, the explanation of that is racism and 
the way to treat that is to target the haves and redistribute the wealth and the benefits to the have-nots through the state. So the whole idea here is very socialistic, very top-down. And it, it might be helpful to talk about the distinction between the idea of equality and equity because the uh, Declaration says that we take these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal <clears throat> and have certain rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this idea of created equality means that we are fundamentally valuable in the eyes of God, whatever our race, whatever our abilities, uh, whatever, whether we're male or female. And that's a theological assertion. Mm -hmm. You can't generate that from Darwinism or from uh, pantheistic worldview. It's a Judeo-Christian idea right there. So the way that has played out at its best in the American system is that we want people to have equal opportunities to advance according to their abilities. That's what you might call meritocracy. But the idea of equity says, no, meritocracy is a ruse for racism. So in critical race theory, everything that seems to have benefited people of color is really a ruse for racism. Uh, civil rights movement really didn't accomplish very much, etc. You see this in the thinking of Derrick Bell and so on. So what we need to do is not, as we say, level the playing field or give people equal opportunity. That just hasn't worked out very well. So we have to ensure that people of color and other minorities are equally represented in various areas of life. Use the word that fits here, quotas. So if 13% of the American population is African-American and we don't have 13% of, of the pilots African-American or the engineers African-American, then the explanation is racism. And the answer is to change the whole system so that you have this supposedly proportional representation. And the way this plays out, and there's a very good book about this, just came out by Heather MacDonald called When Race Trumps Merit. It plays out by changing the standards and artificially advancing people because of their gender or because of their race in order to fill out these quotas. Now, the civil rights vision is to give people equal opportunity to advance according to their skills. You remember Martin Luther King said, I hope my little children will be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So my, my thesis in this book is that because we live in a fallen world and people are, are sinners before God, we will see selfishness, we'll see racism, but critical race theory is not the way to address these problems. Trying to tear down American ideals and impose a top-down socialist authoritarian system, which is really what critical race theory demands, is not the American way. It's not good, ultimately, for people. Well, and I think the, the great thing about the American idea is it's focused on the sanctity of the individual. And uh, so to, to define people in a group, there's no way that, that a group can care about an individual the way an individual cares about themselves. And uh, so I think that it's so important to understand that ultimately this does not bode well for anyone. Somebody said that in uh, socialism, communism— ultimately is we're equal for sure, but we'll all be equal in our misery. 
which mm-hmm. is, I think, um, that's antithetical to the American idea. So I'm talking with Dr. Douglas Groteis. He's a professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary. We're talking about his book, uh, Fire in the Street. And he had written that in a response to the the summer of 2020 when we saw we saw rioting and looting it was unbelievable to see that mm-hmm. in America we get to have these important conversations because of great sponsors one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance team and Roger's been serving his community for 47 years he's provided for his family and given back to these communities of Centennial Littleton Highlands Ranch Inglewood Greenwood Village and Castle Rock he's been taking care of his clients for all those years as well so for more help with your insurance needs call Roger Mangan at 303-795 8855 like a good neighbor the Roger Mangan State Farm insurance team is there Rosie's doing it so is Yvonne same with Lori Michelle's been at it since February of last year Jody started the year before that and guess what they're all saving by doing so what's that oh the doing part they're using the drive safe and save app from State Farm then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance how about you are you ready to get at it and save Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It's And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is KimMunson.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. In studio with me is Dr. Douglas Groteis. He is a professor of philosophy the Denver Seminary. He's the author of 18, soon to be 19 books. Dr. Groteis, I just wanted to ask you a question. We were talking about equality and equity. Mm -hmm. And my dad, when I was a kid, said that, and I I figured this out, this is the equity, that we all have 24 hours in a day. There's equity in that. Mm -hmm. But then we each choose what we do with those 24 hours and all those minutes. And so we will have unequal outcomes because Mm -hmm. we make different decisions. What's your thoughts on that? Well, exactly. And this is one of my many problems, many critiques of critical race theory, is that it assumes that unequal outcomes are always due to racism. Now, some are, especially if you go back 40 years, 50 years, 100 years in the United States. 
But today we really have more of an equality of opportunity for people of all races, given legal changes. Uh, and so you have to really consider agency, you know, personal responsibility. What do you do with your time? What is your worldview? What is your sense of work, family, savings, deferred gratification? All these are very significant in terms of outcomes with respect to things like education and income. And what critical race theory people do is just forget about all that and say, well, we have unequal outcomes. That is, we don't have statistically proportional outcomes. Therefore, the immediate uh, cause of that has to be racial discrimination. And in fact, in the United States, for over 50 years, we've had things like affirmative action to give people of color uh, a leg up in terms of their skin color. Actually, I'm a critic of affirmative action. I, I have I been for, for like 40 years because I read Thomas Sowell 40 years ago, the great black economist, and he said it doesn't really help people of color. It's an artificial advancement. It tends to create suspicion. So if you see a person of color as a doctor or in some other position, you might think, well, why are they there? Are they there because they're the best at what they do, or are they there because of an affirmative action policy? So I've been a critic of that for a long time, and I have a criticism of that in the book also. And then you also have these ideas, well, there's been so much injustice in the past that we need to have reparations for African Americans because African Americans' ancestors suffered so much and were denied so much under slavery. And I've got five or six pages critiquing that as well. In fact, California is now talking about uh, giving millions of dollars to African Americans as reparations. That, I don't think, is helpful or even just. Because for one thing, you have to trace some kind of causal history in terms of who you are. Now, if your ancestors are from a country in Africa that didn't have slaves, like Kenya, well, then why do you deserve reparations if your ancestors were not enslaved? So there's this question of knowledge. How do you determine just because you're black doesn't mean that there's a slavery history? There may be, there may not be. And moreover, the people that perpetuated slavery are long dead, and the people who were directly affected are long dead. And you have to say, is this really just? Who is making reparations to whom, and then you have to also look at the pragmatic question. And I go back to the 60s, the Great War on Poverty under Lyndon Johnson, and the idea was we need to, to use a phrase from a later President Barack Obama, spread the wealth around, because people in the inner cities, people of color, don't have as much money, so we need to take the money from, quote-unquote, the rich, redistribute it, create these massive programs especially in the inner cities. And what has been the result of that? Well, there have been some positive results, but uh, people like uh, Charles Murray in his book, uh, Losing Ground, and Thomas Sowell and others have pointed out, this has created a culture of dependency and a culture of entitlement among many people of color, and it's really undermined a sense of, of agency or responsibility. And I really like the approach of uh, Robert Woodson. You may have heard of him. He's a, I've had him on the show. Oh, terrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really wanted to get him to endorse my book. I couldn't get through to him. But his approach has been uh, 
African Americans are human beings who have agency. And even if whites are against you, that doesn't mean you're going to fail. And it doesn't mean that somehow the white culture owes you anything except equality, you know, except equal opportunity. And I think so that the approach, choice with your 24 hours in the exactly, day to go to yes. make your decisions for your 24 hours. Right. Yes, exactly. And I, I like that approach. That's the approach of uh, human agency. There's another guy I really like is Shelby Steele, mm-hmm. who is an African-American historian. He started out as a black radical in the 60s and 70s. And he eventually saw that the civil government was not the ultimate answer to black poverty or to any kind of deep poverty and uh, being disadvantaged. And he speaks a lot about the need for agency and responsibility. And he believes that a lot of the policies of the far left, and that would be critical race theory, are based on what he calls white guilt. His whole book, whole book called White Guilt. It's somehow, well, uh, whites feel uh, guilty that they have more in some cases than blacks. And so uh, this is behind the policies of let's redistribute the wealth, let's force equity and so on. But there are these unintended consequences. Uh, We saw that certainly in the war on poverty. For example, there used to be a program called something like uh, Aid to Dependent Mothers. And if you had one illegitimate child and no father at home, you got a certain amount of money, a woman. If you have two Ill- illegitimate children at home and no father at home, you got more money. Well, what kind of perverse incentive is that? The incentive is to, destab- to destabilize the family. Now, nobody intended that. They didn't say, let's create a law to destroy the black family or to cause it to be weaker. But that actually was the effect of that. So I'm a principled conservative. I argue for limited government, individual responsibility, and I think that's more the American approach to these kinds of problems. I don't think that socialism is the right approach. I don't think that constant appeals to systemic racism to explain everything. Um, I don't think those are good explanations, historically or in social science either. So I dedicated my book to Dr. Thomas Sowell, uh, not because I have met him or he's been a mentor, but through his books, I've learned how to view uh, society and social stratification and racial issues uh, in a way that I think makes a lot more sense than what you're given by a, a highly ideological neo-Marxist or cultural Marxist theory. He still didn't write me a card back, but darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe know, one of these days. I, I would love to meet him sometime. I have so much respect for him. I would love to do that as well, and I've quoted him on the show somewhat regularly um, because he's just very wise, but he grew up in Harlem, mm-hmm. and he's a Korean War veteran, mm-hmm. and uh, now, um, well, Stanford, uh, Hoover Institute mm-hmm. at Stanford, right? Yeah, he's 92, and he's still publishing books. He has a new book coming out in about a month. I'll uh, try to, I I'll think th- it's called Social Justice Fallacies or something like that. Can't wait to read that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm talking with Dr. Douglas Groteis. He's a professor of philosophy at the Denver Seminary, the author of 18 books, And uh, we get to have these great conversations because of wonderful sponsors. And uh, I know that each of them strive for excellence. And I have one of our great sponsors on the line with me, and that is John Lennon. He is the owner, founder and owner of Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Hello, Kim. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well, and we've pre-recorded this whole week with very special shows uh, for Independence Day week. Uh, As you're thinking about America's independence you know, what, what do you reflect upon, John? 
Well, I, you know, I look back and see where our country was years and years and years ago and raised by my grandma and grandpa, um, just knowing the things they did and the hard work they did to, you know, make us a better country and stronger communities and everything. And, uh, luckily I'm in, uh, in an area where we have strong community ties, but I look at the inner cities and see that no one cares about the neighbors and stuff. So a little disappointed in that and hoping that soon our politicians can, uh, put us all back together and have us all on the same team instead of dividing us and, you know, this side against that side and, and do what's best for the people and not the corporations. Well, absolutely. And that's, we are called the United States of America and we do need to make sure that, and, and that's one of the things that we're doing at this show is, is continuing to talk about these great ideals of America, because I think people, I think the big broad middle of America, whether or not it's blue dog Democrats or unaffiliated libertarians, Republicans, conservatives, I think that we all can unite around this idea of America that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, liberty and pursuit of happiness. And so instead of focusing on the things that divide us, we, we need to focus on the things that unite us. But one of the, the great things about America is that everyday people can pursue their happiness, pursue their dreams. And here you are, an entrepreneur. You started your business in 2015. You you do great work, trustworthy work at a good price. Uh, and so if people need help with any of their heating or cooling needs, uh, I highly recommend Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. Well, thank you very much, Kim. And, yeah, that's we definitely pride ourselves on being a small, independent shop and, uh, you know, locally owned and operated we've got uh, local supply houses we get everything from so definitely about supporting the the community you know and we take care of uh our customers on that same basis is we're uh, we're building a lifelong legacy here for for me and my son and all the guys that work with me and um you know we want their kids to be able to come up in the in the trade and be able to provide the same services we are you know i love that i absolutely love that and working with people that you trust that do great work at at, uh, at um, value pricing i think that is so important and so again uh, people can reach you at johnnystubservices.com that's johnnystubservices.com john lennon thank you so much and we will talk to you next week all right thank you kim there are always opportunities in changing markets and the metro real estate market is no exception that is why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider the opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Munson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. 
You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, wanted to mention a great sponsor of the show, of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories, and that is Hooters Restaurants. They have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. They have great specials for lunch and happy hour Monday through Friday. So a great place to get together with friends. And how they became sponsors is really a story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. And uh, you can find that story at KimMunson.com. In studio with me is Dr. Douglas Groteis. He is a professor of philosophy at the Denver Seminary. We're talking about um, his one of his most recent books, and that is uh, Fire in the Streets, How You Can Confidently Respond to Incendiary Culture Topics. And Dr. Groteis, you had mentioned something regarding the American creed. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, what do you want people to know about that? We've recently celebrated Independence Day. And it's important for us to know, as Americans, what our history is, because this is fundamental to our identity, uh, to our civil government, to our sense of ethos as a nation. And we hear a lot today about people's sexual identities, how they identify, and that's another topic. But I want to go right to the Declaration of Independence, because we may take this for granted, but it's quite remarkable that a nation would begin with a kind of declaration of principle. So I want to read a bit of this, and then I'll talk about what I think are eight factors of the American creed. The, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Such marvelous writing and so much philosophy packed in there. So the next section is maybe more recognizable to many of us. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, it's a basic principle of politics today that those who are conservative emphasize the Declaration of Independence, and those that are more liberal and on the left want to forget about it, (laughs) because it's so theistic, it's so rooted in the metaphysics of God granting inalienable rights now, the statement is not there that we're made in the image and likeness of God, but that is really assumed by this statement. But let me go on and talk about what I take to be elements of the American creed. And I talk about this on pages 42 and 43 of my book, Fire in the Streets. America is a republic 
affirming that civil government is only legitimately constituted upon the consent of the governed. That is so significant. And this idea of a republic really traces back to the idea of a covenant. We think of the covenants in the Bible. And it's not merely a contract or some kind of contingent social arrangement, but it's more like a, a sacred relationship of civil government based on the consent of the governed, and really, in the American situation, in the fear of God. Two, America recognizes the potential and weakness of human nature, so it does not concentrate power in any single branch of government. So we don't have a king. We have the three branches of civil government, which should be balanced against each other. Three, America affirms and promotes religious and political freedom, equality, and opportunity. Four, America allows for and encourages upward mobility through individual initiative. We talked about that. The rags to riches story, or attaining the American dream, not through state action. So five, America is a beacon for the nations, or a city set on a hill, as Cotton Mather said in a famous sermon. This was also reaffirmed by Ronald Reagan in his presidency. We are a sacred trust between God and we the people. That doesn't mean we're the new Israel. It doesn't mean America gets a pass from God when we sin. Israel didn't even get that. God judged his own people when they sinned egregiously enough. But the idea is that we are exceptional. Uh, We're an exceptional nation. We have great gifts, great opportunities, great abilities, and we're held accountable for all these possibilities before a holy God. So six, America endeavors to honor and hold true to its founding documents, thus calling something unconstitutional in America is a reproach. All right. Seven, America is a place where moral and political reform is possible within the founding ideals and without, ideally, without violence. Eight, America is a land that welcomes legal immigrants who want to become Americans and find a better life. I think this creed is really found in our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and by salient aspects of our history, such as the Revolutionary War, freedom from England, the Civil War, freedom for African Americans, uh, World War II, the victory over fascism, and the Cold War, the victory over communism. So there's so much more to be said, but uh, people on the left or people who hold a critical race theory will immediately say, But what about the fact that Thomas Jefferson, the principal writer of the Declaration of Independence, owned slaves? Why did it take America so long to abolish slavery? Well, that is a complicated story. Now, people can write better than they live. People can talk better than they live. Jefferson was actually conflicted about slavery. And slavery was deeply embedded into certain aspects of American society for a very long time. So, and it was prevalent throughout the world. People yes. need to understand that. Oh, indeed. That. Yeah. It, it's not like slavery never existed until white slavers went to Africa and kidnapped all these blacks and brought them to America, and that's the first time slavery ever existed. Slavery is just endemic in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sad. Thomas Sowell's written about this. Others have written about it. It's too bad it took us that long to get rid of slavery. But another issue is slavery was not the fact in every single state of the Union. It was, most, it was in the South. And the documents that we have in the American creed, as I put it, really don't square with slavery. 
Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. The Constitution says that black people are three-fifths human. And it, I wanted to ask you about <laughs> yeah. that, yes. Yeah, briefly. I have about six or seven pages on this. But it's a compromise in the Constitution because the North and the South had to come up with a Constitution. Otherwise, there would be two nations, not one nation. So the three-fifths clause actually limits the representation of the southern states in Congress because it counts slaves, although the word slave is never used, as three-fifths. That doesn't mean a slave is considered three-fifths human in some metaphysical sense. It was a way of limiting the representational power of the South in the Congress by the North. It was a compromise. It's sad the compromise had to happen at all, but it's not an endorsement of black human beings as having three-fifths the value of white human beings. We hear that on the left all the time. I even sometimes hear conservatives say they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. This was my understanding, uh, Dr. Groteis, is that when they were working through the Constitution and they were talking about representation, House of Mm -hmm. Representatives, which the votes on that would be via population. Well, then the southern states said, hey, we want to count all Mm -hmm. these people. And they're acknowledging Mm -hmm. at that point that they are inherently human. And the uh, the northern states said, wait a minute, because they are not free human beings. Exactly. uh, That doesn't seem like that's fair. And so that's where they came up with the three fifths uh, compromise. But I hear people all the time Mm -hmm. say that, oh, it's because that they looked at uh, slaves as three fifths of uh, being a human. And it's just not true. Not at all. Yeah, it's Article one, Section two. I was uh, blessed many years ago. I read an excellent article in Commentary magazine about this which I refer to quite a bit in my book. I deal with this on pages 53 to 55. But it is something you hear all the time. And it's part of this story that America is racist, corrupt from the beginning. So we really have to tear it all down and start over again. But that whole narrative is based on something that is false. And so Mm -hmm. if that's false over there... We have to wonder what else is false about this narrative that mm-hmm. is being pushed on onto uh, young people. A lot of young people do not know that about the three-fifths clause. Well, a lot of young people just don't know American history. They don't know civics. They don't know basic facts about reading and writing and arithmetic. And a lot of American state education, or what we call public education, is extremely ideologically driven by Marxist or neo-Marxist ideas. Um, and we see this with plummeting test results in, in mathematics, in reading, in basic history. So one of the things I say in my book, I don't just critique critical race theory, but I have a final section of the book that talks about what we can do about it. Uh, that section is called A Better Fire. Uh, chapter 8, I deal with a Christian framework for civil government and society. And then Chapter 9, I give some specifics. But one thing I'm very keen on, and I have been literally for 40 years, I'm an old guy, I'm 66, (laughs) is that we need to have a strong system or a strong program of private schools, family uh, education, and and, uh, individual initiative for education. That is, don't assume the state has the responsibility or the ability to rightly educate children. So we need homeschooling, private schooling, charter schools. Now, charter schools are still under the authority of the state, but they have a lot more freedom and possibility. Thomas Sowell wrote a book on this a few years ago called Charter Schools and Their Enemies. 
And he showed with meticulous research, he said it was his most well-researched book, which is amazing, that uh, disadvantaged children, like in inner city, many of them uh, people of color, do extremely well in these charter schools. And it's because these charter schools are not dominated by the liberal teachers' union, Mm -hmm. and they have more parent involvement, and they have stricter standards. What do you know? How does that work out? Yeah, how does that work? You don't just let let the little beasties express themselves and then indoctrinate them into Marxism. You actually teach them the basic skills needed for civil society. Yeah. And I will just clarify that uh, you were that was all tongue in cheek as you were calling them beasties as we look yeah, at I, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just mean little sinners. You know, we're all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Thomas Sowell is another book. Uh, which he thinks is his most important book, which is called The Conflict of Visions. And there are two essential political visions. One is the constrained vision, that we are limited beings, that there will be no earthly utopia, the state will not bring about heaven on earth. And there's the unconstrained view, which says that all of our problems are based on social structures. If we just get the social structures right, change everything around, let people express themselves that we will find a better society. Now, of course, the Christian view is the constrained vision. And, of course, and ultimately the unconstrained uh, will devolve into chaos. And we right. can see that happening. And authoritarianism, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And what happened in 2020, Fire in the Streets. I'm talking mm-hmm. with Dr. Douglas Groteis about his book. I did want to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. It is a nonprofit that I dearly love. And Paula Sarles is a... Uh, She's the president of the Marine uh, Memorial Foundation. She's also a Gold Star wife and a Marine veteran. And she is diligently, her and her team, uh, raising money for the remodel of the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. And you can honor them by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org to make a contribution. That is usmcmemorialfoundation.org. And we'll be right back. Knowledge is power. A reverse mortgage can be an important financial tool for individuals 62 and older. It is essential to understand the process so that all your questions are answered. With nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry, Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Kim Munson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. You want to be proactive about protecting your home and family in light of high crime and uncertain times. You need to go to Franktown Firearms. As a family-owned and family-friendly gun store and range, Franktown Firearms invites you to train and learn together. They want you and your family to be safe and confident in using the firearms you purchase. And while most ranges will teach you to shoot down a straight line, Franktown offers a more tactical approach where you're walking, ducking, drawing in more realistic scenarios and always with safety as a top priority. Training your family to defend themselves is an important process. You need a patient and experienced trainer to work with. Franktown Firearms offers group classes, one-on-one training, and special shooting events like Tactical Fun Night to improve your skill and have fun while you're at it. 
Visit klzradio.com slash franktown and schedule your family's training today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Did want to mention a couple of things. First of all, Jansen Photography, which is located out here in uh, Lakewood, Colorado. They have a beautiful property, so beautiful landscapes for that family portrait. Uh, portraits of children, those senior portraits that uh, get your appointment made for that. And, of course, that important photo for your business or political career. You can get more information at uh, jansenphotography.com. And then also the Center for American Values that is located on the Riverwalk right here in Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo is known as the home of heroes. There are four um, Medal of Honor recipients that called uh, Pueblo home. And it is just a, a really extraordinary place. They're open seven days a week, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and it's focused on these great American principles of honor, integrity, and patriotism. So for more information, go to AmericanValueCenter.org. In studio with me is Dr. Douglas Groteis. He's a professor of philosophy at the Denver Seminary, author of 18 books. We're talking about his book, Fire in the Streets, but you are working on your 19th book, yes? Yeah, actually it's done. It'll be out in about two months, and this is a book about comparative religion, it's called World Religion in Seven Sentences. I had a previous book called Philosophy in Seven Sentences, and the idea is to take significant sentences from the world's religions and then use that as a point of entry to discussing the truth claims of the worldviews. So I look at, uh, start out actually with atheism, Nietzsche, God is dead, critique that, and then look at Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all the major world religions. Oh my gosh. That's fascinating. I can't wait. So we'll have to get you back on the show sure. on that. Yeah, I'd love to do to that, that, too. Okay, Dr. D- Douglas Groteis, the book that we've been talking about today is Fire in the Streets, How You Can Confidently Respond to Incendiary Culture Topics, which is important. You wrote this after, quote in air quotes, the summer of love, the summer yeah. of destruction 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, what about free speech in all of this? Right, and I should say that The title of the book doesn't have the word critical race theory in it or the word woke in it. And if we get to a second edition, I really want to put that in there because the book is really about wokeness and about critical race theory. But this is a tremendous concern I have because the First Amendment uh, says that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, so no state church, or prohibiting the free exercise of religion or abridging the freedom of speech or press and so on. So... This has to do with the civil government, but it's also very much part of the American ethos and DNA that ideas should be publicly debated and disputed and may the best argument win, essentially. And uh, John Stuart Mill said, if you only know your position, you probably don't know your position very well. So if you only know what capitalism is, you don't know anything about socialism, how well can you defend capitalism or the free market, let's say? So this is really a very significant element of the American creed is freedom to debate ideas publicly and marshal evidence and argument 
and may the best argument win. Now, I'm a philosopher, so that's what I attempt to do all the time at my best. But what we see with critical race theorists is that society is divided into uh, the oppressors and the oppressed. And the oppressors are white men, Christians, essentially. Straight men. Straight, yes. So I put in their heteronormative, so to speak. And they oppress everyone else. And, in fact, these folks don't have the right to be hurt. So it's not like we want you to advance your ideas defending the free market or defending a Judeo-Christian worldview or defending the ideals of America. We just want you to go away. We don't want you to talk at all. So it's not like we'll give you the microphone and then we'll take the microphone. We don't want you to have the microphone at all. This is called cancel culture. We're seeing it everywhere in society in the academy, in politics, uh, in entertainment, and so on. And it's based on a very toxic notion that some ideas do not deserve to be heard, do not deserve to be debated. You have to simply eliminate them. Now, if you believe that there is such a thing as objective truth, and objective truth is knowable, and if you believe that reason is something to be used to find objective truth, then you have to be opposed to this idea. But a lot of it comes back to one of the leading theorists of critical race theory goes back uh, to the 30s and onward, a man named Herbert Marcuse, who was the main philosopher of the New Left in the American counterculture in the 60s and 70s. He wrote an essay where he said, we should not be tolerant of conservative viewpoints because those are the ideological views that held that hold people in subjection. So these these folks, the people who depend American ideals or free market are intrinsically toxic and their ideas have to be silenced. So our ideas, our neo-marxist ideas can ascend and gain power. And he wrote a whole essay on this back I believe it was in the 1960s. And this is now everywhere in our society, and it plays itself out in cancel culture. So, Dr. Groteis, I'm thinking about culture, how we got to this point, but you you mentioned objective truth. Mm -hmm. Don't you remember the narrative, oh, you have your truth, I have my truth, we agree to disagree. Instead of debating the, debating the ideas in that if you get to a point where the other idea has, has made, made the case, made it on the merits, mm-hmm. then just walk away and go, oh, I have my, my truth, or we'll agree mm-hmm. to disagree. Mm-hmm. I always felt that was uh, a bit of a cop-out. Oh, it is. I wrote a book many years ago called Truth Decay about postmodernism. And what we're seeing in critical race theory is a kind of a new version of postmodernism where it says that the lived experience of oppressed people is the final word. So if uh, a Hispanic man says, I'm oppressed and I'm targeted by the police and our whole system is corrupt and we have to bring it down, you say, well, you as a Hispanic man or Hispanic woman or black man or black woman have been oppressed horribly. And so your viewpoint is automatically beyond critique. Now, it's a half-truth. It's a whole lie because, sure, I have no idea what it's like to be an African-American male. I'm, I'm a white male. I have no idea what it's like to be a Latina, a female Hispanic person. So I need to listen to those folks and, and talk to them and interact with them. But simply being a person of color doesn't make you an expert on the three-fifths clause 
or on American history or what American ideals are or what would actually advance people overall. So the postmodern view was it's all perspective. There's no objective truth. But beware of these narratives that try to explain everything, like Mm -hmm. Christianity. The critical race theory version of it is, well, it's all perspective, but there's one perspective that trumps all the rest, and that is the perspective of the lived experience of the oppressed. Now, that viewpoint says, well, we don't need to hear from the oppressors because they've set up the whole system to be unfair to the oppressed, so we have to hear the oppressed and take their word for it. But people are not even consistent on this because, all right, uh, there are black folks that have differences of opinion. You know, if you have the opinions of Abraham X. Kendi and of Thomas Sowell, both African-Americans, they're radically different. It's not that one viewpoint is black and one viewpoint is not black. They're both black. You deal with ideas not according to pigmentation, but according to rationality. But now we're trying to pigmentize truth and make truth ethnically relative, and that just undermines civil discourse. I'll give you an example. I won't give you any specifics because I get in trouble. But we're talking about my book, Fire in the Streets. I'm a white male, 66 years old. And I know of some Christian people who said, oh, we don't even have to read Grotheis' book because he's white. He's white, so therefore he has nothing to say about the racial issue. Hmm. Well, I call that literary racism. Racism can go in all directions, you know. Mm -hmm. Whites can be racist against blacks, blacks against whites, Latinos against blacks. Racism can occur all over the place. And what I think it is, Douglas, is that it's defining people by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. Yeah, and the quality of their ideas. Right. Right. The quality of their ideas. So I like to say I would rather be refuted in an argument than canceled. You know, let's let's have a good discussion. And if you show that I'm wrong about something, then I hope I have the humility and integrity to say, you're right. I was wrong. So now I'm better for it. But we don't find that happening a lot. It's it's more who do we want to center in the discourse and who do we want to decenter and even marginalize and cancel And that's not a good idea if we're pursuing the truth about what matters most. And so that's why what we do on the show, when I say that we are engaged in this great battle of ideas, we are. And one of the things is we we need to make sure that we hear the ideas Mm -hmm. uh, instead of Mm -hmm. having them canceled, which we got just a couple of minutes left, which brings us back to freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. And the founders knew that that was so important that they put that in the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. Exactly. And I I really respect old line liberals like Alan Dershowitz. There aren't too many of them left. You know, Alan Dershowitz was a professor of law for many years, I believe, at Harvard. He's in his 80s now. He's liberal. He didn't vote for Donald Trump, but he thought Donald Trump had been mistreated. So he actually represented him as a lawyer. I'm not I'm not a big Donald Trump fan. But see, the old liberals say, let's use the system, Mm -hmm. freedom of speech, the rule of law and may the best people win or may the most effective people win. That's not critical race theory. Critical race theory is silence the opponents, do anything you can to marginalize them. It's not a view that honors free speech. Uh, It's a very anti-American, anti-truth and rationality kind of perspective. 
Well, and it doesn't honor the individual either. Right. No. And that is really the, the beauty that we've been celebrating with our independence is the sanctity of the individual. And that is inherent in the American idea. Dr. Douglas Groteis, it is always a delight and treat to have you on the mm. show. I Thank greatly you. appreciate it. And uh, people can get your book at uh, all all the places, can't they? Yeah, it's certainly on Amazon. Hasn't been canceled yet there. <laughs> <laughs> Salem, my publisher, makes it available as well. Salem, uh, Salem Books. Okay. Dr. Douglas Groteis, great to have you here. And so I decided, because you talked a lot about Thomas Sowell, hmm. that I would uh, do a Thomas Sowell quote at the end of the show. And he said this, It's amazing how much panic one honest man can spread among a multitude of hypocrites. I love that. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Stay tuned for hour number two. This program was recorded earlier for broadcast at this time. No phone calls can be accepted. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Uh, thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And I so appreciate each and every one of you. You're each treasured and valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for Excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment, and we get to do all this because of a great team, and that's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And I get to work with amazing people as sponsors of the show, and one of those great sponsors is Jay Davidson. He is the CEO and founder of First American State Bank, which is a community bank right here in the Denver metro area. Jay Davidson, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Kim. And we're doing something very special, Jay, this week of Independence Day week. I'm making it a week. (laughs) If some things can have a month, this can have a week, I think. But uh, uh, we actually are pre-recording all of these shows uh, so the team can take a little bit of time off. But we have put together amazing guests, and Jay Davidson is one of those great guests. So, Jay, uh, let's jump in here. What's, first of all, your thoughts about America's founding? Uh, whoa, that's kind of wide open. Um, I think that uh, our founding is, is based on a principle, and uh, that principle is unique in the, in the history and in the world. And uh, to me, that principle is the sanctity of the individual, the rights of uh, the individual not to be overpowered and controlled by a greater entity, more powerful entity. Well, and within that is inherently liberty, which uh, my good friend Ben Martin says liberty is the responsible exercise of freedom. And so the fact that that the the um, the patriots that that they basically I think the same thing, the sanctity of the individual, uh, that we could govern ourselves, that we didn't have to have a king, a tyrant, a czar or whatever. 
all this was unique to the American founding. And I think it's important that people understand that. You and I always talk about the economic component uh, of freedom as well. And uh, the quote that I'll, I'll share at the end of the show is a Maggie uh, Thatcher quote. And she says, you wouldn't keep political freedom unless you also have economic freedom. And uh, overtaxation, overregulation, all kinds of things can chip away at our economic freedom, Jay Davidson. That's, that's very true, and, and Maggie's exactly right, in my opinion. Um, the, the, the basis of that thought process is the, the right to ownership of property that each individual has. And then it's, as Jefferson wrote in the Declaration, it's an inalienable right. In other words, it doesn't come from mankind. It doesn't come from a law. It doesn't come from a government. It comes from the Almighty, our Creator, whatever name you want to ascribe to that uh, that being, um, and that that is innate and inherent in our in our, uh, our freedom, our liberty, our individuality. Because if you can't possess property, a property, then you can't be independent. You can't be separate from. Um, and this is how uh, the opposite uh, forces, the forces of control, uh, come at us through our property, through our rights, through our money, through our taxation, etc. Well, and control ultimately has to come down to force uh, as well. And uh, force can, uh, with government, I, I think the founders, they realized that with government there had to be some force, but yet they put in place, you know, this, the, um, to, with the vision of the Declaration, then they put in, in place the Constitution, which would try to keep the, that force of government with constrained within a, a proper roles. But we've gotten way past that right now in 2023 America, Jay Davidson. Well, you're exactly right. Uh, the founding fathers realized in uh, their infinite wisdom that a government was necessary to do very specific things and nothing more. And so they were very careful in creating what's called the rule of law, which is the Constitution and the Bill of Rights the amendments. And uh, if you read them, well, when I read them anyway, they appear to be have a greater effect, and in fact, almost an exclusive effect on the activity of governments, bureaucrats, politicians, and not really say much about individuals, except that you have these inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the ownership of property. So I, I say that uh, government needs to be there. It's a necessary evil, but it is an evil that was recognized uh, by our founding fathers. And if you look at the situation the world was in when they declared their independence uh, every man that signed that declaration uh, had a death warrant put on his head this was serious stuff and they had experienced a monarchy an absolute monarchy through the king of england for the, the entirety of their lives and now they were saying we reject that monarchy that ultimate government in this case because a king is identical to a government in the sense that they have absolute control. They can take your life or not as they wish. So I think they – go ahead. Well, uh, so on that, a question, because when, when we talk about these inalienable rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but yet how do you respond when people say, well, 
dictators, tyrants, they could take your life. They could take your liberty. So how does that match up that there are these rights from God? What would you say to people on that, Jay? Well, that's a, that's a very point that I'm trying to make. The, a murderer can take my life if I let him, and certainly I'm going to fight that person to prevent that. A government can take my life, and I'm certainly going to fight that. But we're unique in the United States in that our founding fathers were wise enough, they looked far enough into the future to identify the problems that we face today and give us solutions for those problems. And the solution is the Constitution, the rule of law, not the rule by regulation, and the uh, each individual citizen standing up and demanding that the government go back into its hole and stop uh, involving itself, its bureaucratic self, in our lives. I, I don't know if I answered your question, Kim. Well, no, I think that I think that you did. Even even though a dictator or a tyrant could take those things the founders said that that they are their rights from god and i've always tried to try you know try to figure that out because they could take our life they could take our liberty and they certainly take our property through a variety of things through they take they can take our property through uh taking away opportunity as well through regulations and taxes and all but those things are still inherent uh, those rights are still inalienable, even though a tyrant could take them. It doesn't mean, maybe it's this, even though they could take them, it doesn't mean that we don't have them. How's that? Yeah, it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean that they're right in taking them. And it doesn't, and it does mean that we have an in, inalienable right to protect oh. our individuality. That's what that means. I mean, and, and think about it. They took up arms against the most powerful nation in the world at that time. A bunch of farmers and, and businessmen and, and so forth, you know, fathers and brothers and uncles, took up arms and pointed rifles at the British soldier, who was the most powerful army in the world, that conquered the world. So that's how serious they took the liberties that they talked about as inalienable rights in our Constitution, in our Declaration. And, uh, again, I, it's remarkable, as you mentioned, that it was farmers and merchants uh, taking up arms against the most powerful empire on the face of the earth because they wanted liberty. I just It's just such a remarkable story. And we're doing very special shows this week. This uh, is a pre-recording with Jay Davidson, a great sponsor of the show. He is the CEO and founder of First American State Bank. Another great sponsor of the show is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And Roger's been an agent for 47 years. He served his customers, provided for his family, and give, given back to the communities of Centennial, Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Inglewood, Greenwood Village, and Castle Rock for help with all your insurance needs call the roger mangan team at 303-795-8855 like a good neighbor the roger mangan insurance team is there rosie's doing it so is yvonne same with Lori. michelle's been at it since february of last year jody started the year before that and guess what they're all saving by doing so what's that oh the doing part they're using the drive safe and save app from state farm then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance. How about you? Are you ready to get at it and save? Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. 
Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the Metro Real Estate market is no exception. That is why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance Realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider the opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Munson highly recommends award-winning REMAX Realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. It's Friday! And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And I am blessed with amazing sponsors. And one of those is Jay Davidson and the and First American State Bank. He is the CEO and founder a First American State Bank. And Jay Davidson, you you are, are writing nationally. Uh, you're a frequent guest on my show, on other shows, because you're just so passionate about this, this American idea and economic freedom and property rights and capitalism. So let's talk a little bit about capitalism. There have been those that are, are working to demonize the word. And in fact, this last April, the Colorado Education Educators Association, which is the largest, I think the largest teachers union in Colorado, uh, put forth a resolution uh, demonizing capitalism. And um, we're starting to see some school board members push back on that. But capitalism is a good thing, yes? Well, absolutely. I think it is. Um, and uh, I, th- I think what we're, we're seeing here is a very, uh, I would say, ancient primordial force at work. Uh, the, the battle of two basic uh, fundamental ideas. What I would certainly because I agree with it, I'd call it good and the other one I'd call evil. Um, that's just human nature. But the fact is that there is there's always been a group of people who see control as the ultimate goal. They seek the power of government. They seek control over others. They um, want to uh, involve themselves in your life. And then the other side, what I would call the good side, because that's the one I believe in, is the side that says, no, I'm an individual. I have individual liberty. And whether my government says I do or not, it doesn't matter. My, this, my, my individual rights come from the, my creator, my God, the God, the one and only. 
so um, th- this is the eternal battle that's going on, and I think that is the underpinning of the attacks on capitalism. And let me maybe I, I can elaborate a little bit on that. I think that capitalism is the natural outgrowth of uh, freedom, and as such, I think that our constitutional republic, with its rule of law and the inalienable rights of which we spoke earlier, always and inevitably lead to a capitalistic economic system. Why do I say that? Well, capitalism says, you know what? If you own it, it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. That's all. That's what capitalism is. You can own capital. And what is capital? It's property. It's money. It's your rights. So here we have this eternal battle between the forces of what I would call evil, the ones who want to control us, and good, which are the forces that say you you have an inalienable right to ownership of property, to capitalism. And I would submit to you that America has become great and that the dollar is considered the most powerful currency in the world today because of capitalism because of you and me and everybody else out there starting their own business or working for somebody of their own free will in order to gain a profit. Everybody has to make a profit because what is a profit? It's the money that you can earn over and above what is your basic subsistence level. I mean, if if we were still uh, hunters gatherers in the woods, our subsistence level would be surviving this moment, this day. But because of capitalism, we can bring together um, uh, capital, property, uh, our foodstuffs, our water supplies, and, and so forth, and we can create the profit that exists over and above our subsistence. So in order for the left to prevail, and the left is, in my opinion, coterminate with control, although there's elements in the extreme right that are the same so both extremes are bad but I'll use the left because that's the most obvious example that they that want to take away uh, all the rights that are inherent in our in our creation and uh, so capitalism to me is a godsend it's a natural outgrowth of the freedoms that each person each individual um, has that come from the almighty well, and you mentioned profit, and there are those that try to demonize profit as greed. But I actually, I think right. that's a Thomas Sowell quote that said, um, how is it greed if I, I want to keep more of my own money, but it's uh, charity if, uh, you know, they're taking my money to give to somebody else or something like that. Uh, yeah, Thomas is brilliant. Oh, he, he is. He really is brilliant. So this demonizing of capitalism and of profit. And profit occurs when people exchange value. So if someone comes up with a product that somebody else finds, uh, or a service that somebody else finds value, then they come to a, an agreement of just what that value is, and that's that's where they exchange dollars for for that value. And uh, and obviously, if somebody's creating a good or service, and they're not able to charge a price more than what their costs are to making that that product, they're going to stop making that 
product or service. And I guess that way the market answers to that. But profit is not a bad thing. It is is it's an exchange of value. And so if somebody says, hey, I value that, I will pay you this amount for that, they agree upon that. But if a lot of people see that value, I'm thinking of like Steve Jobs and the iPhone, if a lot of people see it and they exchange their hard-earned dollars for that, then these people become very, very wealthy. I've never begrudged that at all, Jay, because I've thought if they could do it, I have the opportunity to do it as well. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the, this is a, such a fundamental concept that uh, people people seem to fall. We all do. I mean, I'm a capitalist, obviously, and now I've embraced it, and I'm very happy with it. I started my own business, as did you, and a lot of your viewers and listeners did. And uh, we started it. Why? Because we wanted to add value. I, I want to create a certain amount of capital so that I can protect my family, not so that I can exhibit my uh, uh, all sorts of physical things like some fancy car or you know whatever but so that I can really protect my family that's that's the basis of what we're I think we're all about I mean we see these people that amass wealth with the intent of controlling others or impressing others or you know the bling people or whatever you want to call them that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, Joe and Jane hard working person uh not just subsisting, but thriving through freedom, through the rights that are inherent in what's called a, a capitalistic economy, which is also our uh, foundational, uh, constitutionally foundational uh, nation that we live in, the right that you have as an individual to own property. And then you raised a really good point. The definition of fair trade is Bryant, and I totally 100% agree with this. Fair trade is a willing buyer and a willing seller without outside coercion agreeing on a transaction. And that in and of itself defines the value of the product or service that's being transacted. And nobody and no thing should come between that. And yet we see all the time that the bureaucratic entity of the federal government and the state and the local governments comes between it, uh, between the fair trade of two individuals. So I think it's a critically important issue for people to think about. And as far as the, the other thing that I hear all the time, particularly from the left, is love of, uh, love of money is the source of all evil. And uh, no, they say money is the source of all evil. Well, I submit to you that anything can be the source of evil. Anything in excess can be the source of evil. I, I do think that the love of money can become evil, and more so than just money itself. And the love of money suggests that money is more important than anything. No, money is just a tool. It's something that you gather to yourself through your hard work and your effort in order to protect yourself and your family from the vagaries of life. That's all it is. It's a medium of exchange. So I would also say that the love of power is the source of all evil. Ah, yes. It is. So it's a complex topic, but 
I it, love capitalism. I think it's right. Well, it is. And again, and I, I, I appreciate that um, definition that fair trade is the exchange of value without outside coercion. So I'm going to ask you about that here in the next segment. I'm talking with Jay Davidson, and he is a great sponsor of the show. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank, and I am blessed to work with many great sponsors. And one of my great sponsors is Dr. Craig Stimson. He is a chiropractor. He's been in business for 37 years helping people, and he's helped me as well. And uh, he specializes in uh, all kinds of things like joint pain can help you with headaches, sports injuries, if you've been injured from an auto accident, just all those things he can help you with. But Dr. Craig Stimson, first of all, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Thank you. And uh, we are celebrating Independence Week. We are pre-recording all of these very special shows. But uh, just wanted to get your reflections about America's independence. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate Independence Day. Um, without our independence, we would not be able to make any kind of choices. So that's what I look at with independence is the ability to make choices. Well, and that is the freedom to make choices that we can get go after our hopes and dreams that regular people like you and I can be entrepreneurs and business people and and uh, thrive and flourish, and it's just inherent in the American idea. So we are so lucky, Dr. Stimson, to live in this country. I, I think so, too. And uh, one of the great things about this country that people may not realize is that uh, from a health care standpoint, we have the freedom to choose what kind of health care we want. And chiropractic is the only all-American health care system. It was actually... Uh, developed and invented in America, Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, actually, in 1895. So we just celebrated our 125th anniversary here a couple years ago. And how did you get interested in becoming a chiropractor? Well, I was actually uh, born and raised in Davenport, so I knew about it for quite a while. And I was actually going to be a psychologist. And I was doing my study, and then I developed uh, some aches and pains with a low back problem, and I, I went to a chiropractor and started finding out more about the uh, philosophy of that, that, you know, your body can heal itself as long as there's no interference. And uh, that made a lot of sense to me. So I actually changed my career and decided to be a chiropractor and went to school for that and uh, no looking back since that time. Well, and you've been helping people for 37 years. So I greatly appreciate that. And you've helped me and I I really am grateful for that as well. Uh, What's the best way uh, for people to reach you, Dr. Stimson? Again, your listeners can call me at 303-691-1771. We're celebrating this month, our independence from pain, hopefully. Uh, definitely. 303-691-1771. Dr. Craig Stimson, thank you so much and wishing you and your family, uh, hopefully you had a great Independence Day and a great weekend. Thank you, Kim. It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubbs Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubbs Services. Schedule your air conditioning check before summer arrives at johnnystubbservices.com and receive a great gift. That's johnnystubbservices.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. 
Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And I did want to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, Paula Sarles is the president of the foundation, and she is a gold star wife as well as as a Marine veteran, and uh, she and her team over at the USMC Memorial Foundation are working diligently to raise the money for the remodel of the Marine Memorial out at Sixth and Colfax. And my friends, as we're reflecting upon our independence this week, it's a, a great thing to do to honor them would be to go to the USMC Memorial Foundation and make a contribution. And again, that is USMCMemorialFoundation.org. On the line with me is Jay Davidson, uh, sponsor of the show. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank. And Jay, we've been talking about capitalism, and you mentioned uh, that uh, the quote that money is the root of all evil, and I agree with you, the actual quote is love of money. Money is the root of all evil. Love of power is a, a pretty evil thing as well. But I have seen people that have kind of looked over their the shoulders of others that maybe are more successful, or maybe I should put it this way, very successful. And then people saying, oh, they should give their money to charity instead of building a big house or having a car or a boat or whatever. And I thought, first of all, it's not anybody else's business how people spend their money. But just think about it. If they are building a big house, think about all the people that they're employing and doing so. Could be an architect. Uh, they need all the supplies. So the you know, people that make the, the fixtures and the wood and all that. So I've never demonized that. What do you think? What do you say? Well, uh, if we have an enable right to the ownership of property, and we do, then what you do with that property is your own right. You can do anything you want. I have no – I like to see people that are successful. It inspires me to work harder and try better. So um, – but, but the point that you're making is that some people will look at that and say, well, he should do this. Well, no, he shouldn't. He should do what he wants to do within the bounds of the law with his money, period. But every day of our lives, somebody is looking at us, no matter what we make, how little or how much we make, and saying, you should contribute to something else that I think is more important than you spending on your family. 
That's really what taxation regulation fees is all about. You notice one thing about the left, the social justice warriors, these uh, people that think they are doing, uh, I don't know what they think, honestly, I don't get them. But whenever they want to solve a problem, they do two things. They find a government entity or they create one and they take from you. They have to take from you to fund their idea of what you should be done with your money. And the point I'm trying to make here is that government does not make money. Government is incapable of making profit. Government is the antithesis of freedom and of capitalism and free markets and the individual. And our founding fathers realized that. That's why they established the Constitution specifically to control government, because they knew that government would, of its own nature, uh, of the evil in mankind itself, want to grow and become more powerful. And today it's become extremely powerful. But we can identify how it's done that and start to bring it back down. And I must say, whatever you say about Donald Trump, he he nominated four uh, uh, Supreme Court justices that are um, in favor of reducing the government's control over our lives. Now, he has all these other problems. I get it. But this is critical. And we're going to see this play out in the next few months. But I'm getting off track. But the fact is that as an individual, you have the inalienable right to spend your money as you wish. But you also have the rule of law, and you have to follow that. And, and doing that, then do whatever you want. It's your money. Well, and Jay, rule of law. I, I, I people, uh, Americans. Want to be law-abiding citizens, and that's why, when law becomes, when it doesn't hold up to the vision of the uh, the Constitution, then that's where it becomes a problem. And when I was on city council, I, I had to wrestle with this because in the Constitution, I think it's the Tenth Amendment, it says that whatever powers are not basically given to the federal government, those powers go to the state and to the people. But but that doesn't mean that the state and the people can can put forth laws that are unconstitutional or put forth laws that are antithetical to this vision of the declaration that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And so I, I realize that every ordinance, every everything that the government does needs to go – We and every elected representative – needs to go back to the the vision of the the founding and also the constitution because even on a local level it's not okay to be passing things that are unconstitutional and so the rule of law that that at least I like to refer to is the within the context of the constitution and I think it's important that people think about that yeah the the rule of law there's only one law and that is the constitution no matter what the left or right say that is the law, the rule of the law, the rule of the land, the rules to which we have all agreed by being American citizens. We swear an oath to our Constitution. We did it every day of school uh, when I was going to grade school in the 50s and 60s. So, well, in my case, 70s, because I was held back for about 30 years. <laughs> to um, so that that is the, the rule of law is the Constitution and the amendments, period. That's it. Now, the way that the left or the extreme right subvert that is by incrementalism. 
it's it started when President Woodrow Wilson was in place over 100 years ago. And he basically said, I mean, he's been quoted as saying the following. You people, you individuals don't have the intellectual capacity, I'm paraphrasing, the intellectual capacity to, to handle your own lives. So we need a group of government bureaucrats to help you live your lives. And, and President Wilson was the beginning of the progressive movement that we see today. Barack Obama, who is still the puppet master behind Joe Biden, is still in power, is the culmination of 100 years of effort by the lefties to destroy um, the freedoms that exist in America today. So, I'm, you know, my job and our jobs, Kim, I think, is to awaken people to the fact that there is an imminent threat. I mean, it's a serious threat, but it's not overwhelming. I mean, my goodness, we have our Constitution. We have the, the inalienable rights defined by the Almighty himself. How can we lose? We can't lose except by being embarrassed or being um, shouted down. And that's, that's all just a matter of willpower, of every American standing up to the politician, the bureaucrat, to the left, the social justice warrior, saying, no, I don't agree with your point. I, in fact, I totally disagree with it. And you need to, if you want to take my money, forget it. You don't have that right. You spend your own money. You know, if, if you notice when I first started, we started this conversation, there are two things that a social justice warrior always does. Number one, they find a solution in a government program, or they create a government program. And number two, they take money away from you as a citizen, as an individual. Those are the two things that every solution they bring to the party has in common. And there won't be one thing that they do or ever do that doesn't have those two elements. So be aware of it. And, and on the right, I mean, these guys are not on the right are not without blame either. I mean, you know, when you have a big government politician on the right or left, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. They're identical. All these people that say you should give up so that I can tell you what to do are wrong. And uh, I think the Republican Party, honestly, has got to wake up and clean up its act before it's ever going to hold office in this nation again. And uh, I think that's a long ways off, unfortunately. But that's a long story there. But the bottom line is it's, it's control versus freedom. Well, it, it's going to be freedom. It, it is. And the Republican Party used to be painted as, you know, fat cats, um, you know, rich guys, and and um, and it's, certainly there is that. But then we also are looking at uh, the radical left, oh, and we're seeing that there's a bunch of very rich people over there as well that's trying to affect uh, public policy. And so for a long time, I, I mean, I've always thought, you know, capitalism is important. And then I realized that cronyism is not capitalism, first of all, but cronyism is big government and big business colluding together to use force to either put forth their agenda, put forth uh, a way for them to profit. And it's not a profit because you mentioned, well, fair trade is without outside coercion. So when government and big business get together and collude together or coerce together, that is not that's not capitalism, and that's not really profit. That is collusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the, the name for that that you just described is fascism. 
That is, oh. That's corporatism. That's fascism. And, and the Nazis got it. Uh, they understood fascism very well. So they, uh, the difference between not, uh, uh, fascism and communism is simple. In, in a communist society, they take the means of production. In a fascist society, the owners keep the means of production, but the uh, production itself is taken and controlled by the government. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of degree. I mean, socialism is on the, uh, the autistic scale, shall we say, uh, toward communism. It's just an interim step. Uh, and so um, the, the, uh, the control mechanism, I think, is inherently evil, and uh, I reject it at every point. Now, if I choose, and this is going to be sound weird, but if I choose to live according to my moral code and according to the rule of the law of the land, which is the Constitution, then that is my right, and I choose to do that freely. And in fact, I think every American has that right and that obligation to make that intelligent, rational decision that I will live by my moral code, my principles, and I will live by the Constitution of the United States, and thereby I will be, um, I think, and it's about faith, but viewed as uh, good in the eyes of my Lord, and uh, there will be a great good that accrues to me in the future when I passed away. So this is the moral argument for freedom, for the individual, for liberty. And it is the antithesis of everything that the big government Republicans and the big government Democrats are trying to foist on us right now. Anybody that seeks control over another is, in my opinion, relatively evil. And agree. And it's on both sides of the aisle. And but I think people well, first of all, shedding light on this, you're doing such a great job with all that you do, but shedding light on this. And I really think, Jay, that from moderate Democrats or used to be called blue dog Democrats, unaffiliateds, Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, there this is this big, broad middle of of America that I think we as we continue to to speak reason and and ration with rational thought into what is happening I'm encouraged that we can unite this big broad part of America and reclaim this this great heritage of our American founding Jay yeah that's that's where the, the real power of America resides I mean you know Trump for instance He's such a divisive individual, and I just, I get the people that really like him. Okay, you have that right, and if you want to vote for him, God bless you. It's your right. But why, why does he have to be so divisive? Why does, why, why not be inclusive? And um, the left side, they're so incredibly divisive. It's unbelievable. But they have, I'd say, brainwashed a lot of people into thinking that though they are the individuals in the Democratic side and the far left side are right in their efforts to be social justice warriors and to fight the battle of climate change and carbon something or other. I mean, it's just it's an insane mix of things. And what you're saying, Kim, is so right. It's the rational approach to living together. And we as a nation choose must choose freely and of our own free will to live together. And how do we do that? I better close my mouth and open my mind to what my opponent is saying. And and like you said, the blue dog Democrat, the moderate Democrat, the moderate Republican, 
be independent, et cetera, et cetera. We all have a similar belief and a similar mindset. I mean, we can we can disagree a little bit on the fringes of what should be done, but basically our ethical standards are identical. So why aren't we talking to that that unified and unifying principle that exists to bind all of us together of our own free will? That's where you're going with that comment, and I totally agree with you. Well, and I, I'm encouraged uh, that we that we are going to be able to do this. I know so many people are working diligently uh, to make this happen. And uh, we get to have these important conversations because of amazing sponsors. And another great sponsor is Karen Levine. Knowledge is power. A reverse mortgage can be an important financial tool for individuals 62 and older. It is essential to understand the process so that all your questions are answered. With nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry, Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Kim Munson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. What you feed your skin matters. Botanical Rush is clean, professional skin care that only uses pure ingredients to restore and protect the skin. Your skin absorbs the products you put on it, so when you're using something every day, you better know what the ingredients are. Botanical Rush professional formulas are not just pure and potent, they are affordable. With regular use, these beautiful botanical formulas support collagen production, skin's precious moisture barrier, and reduce hyperpigmentation. Myra Mesco, the founder of Botanical Rush, holds every ingredient accountable to meet or exceed her high standards. Botanical Rush is non-toxic skincare, free of chemicals, estrogen mimickers, or artificial fragrances that hinder the skin's radiance. Discuss your skincare needs with Myra and set up a consultation at klzradio.com beauty or email info at botanicalrush.com and use the exclusive Kim Monson discount code KIM15 for your first order for a 15% discount at checkout. That's botanicalrush.com code KIM15. Franktown Firearms staff and customers alike are concerned with your safety and ability to shoot well. And that comes from a sense of community that they foster at their shop. The staff doesn't work on commission from sales, so there won't be any pressure to buy what you don't need. They host events like Ladies Night every first Friday and Tactical Fun Night every third Friday because they value their community and they understand that selling the most expensive product doesn't help you learn to shoot. Your money goes further at Franktown because they'd rather you be self-sufficient with what you already own and be proficient in using it. If you're looking for a range and shop that can take you to the next level in your self-defense training, learn how to shoot in realistic scenarios from instructors who have been there, done that, then look no further than Franktown Firearms. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And I did want to mention the Center for American Values located in Pueblo, Colorado. And they're right on the, the river walk there. And they're doing several different things. First, First of all, they have the Portraits of Valor, which is portraits of 160 Medal of Honor recipients. And there's a quote with each one of them. And it is just powerful and inspiring. I would recommend you take the family down to the Center for American Values sometime this summer. But they're also doing a lot of educational programs and opening up a, a great set of online educational programs. And you can get a lot of more, a lot more information by going to AmericanValueCenter.org. That is AmericanValueCenter.org. On the line with me is Jay Davidson. He is the CEO and president of First American State Bank, great sponsor of the show. Jay Davidson, do you remember when Barack Obama was president and uh, Joe the plumber asked him a question? And I think he said to Joe the plumber, he goes, you didn't build that. I, that stopped me in my tracks. And then somebody, I don't know if he said that or somebody else said, well, Joe the plumber, he has his business because he's driving to his, see his, his clients on roads that the collective built. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because people, all kinds of people drive on those roads, but we have different outcomes from the choices that we make on, on uh, driving on those roads. What's your thoughts? Yeah, a couple of things there. Um, it, it reveals very plainly what Barack Obama and the left's mindset is. Uh, you as the individual, Mr. Joe Plummer, who worked hard uh, for his money, you really have no rights to that money. Um, the government does everything for you. And you've, we've got to be aware of that mindset because it, it creeps into all of us. And anytime you say, well, this problem is so great, poverty, drug abuse, I mean, things like this, uh, trafficking uh, of kids, this, uh, these are serious problems, I agree. But when you start saying, well, there's a government solution and only the government can solve it, I think you should stop and ask the question, well, can they? And if we keep doing this like we've been doing for the past 100 years, when do we put so much debt on the public, on the American people, on the freedom uh, the free people of America, that they cannot no longer sustain it. There is a limiting factor. Government can't continue to uh, do what you think they might be able to do. My second point here would be, well, let's look at what the government can do and cannot do and what it's done successfully. It has not prevented poverty. It has not stopped drugs from coming into America. Why is that? It's not possible for a government entity to do those things. It is possible for an individual not to take drugs or for an individual to decide, I'm going to get up at 7 in the morning and go to work and work for 12 hours today so I can build my own wealth up. That is possible. This is what people miss when the Barack Obamas and these people say, the government gave you all this stuff. No, the government took all this stuff, and they wasted it through bureaucrats, inefficiencies, and they didn't deliver. So, you know, everybody says, well, you need regulation. I said, no, I don't. I really don't, because the market will regulate. If I cheat somebody, I'm, I'm out of the market. People are going to stop coming to me, and it's not my nature to do so. 
So I, I, I think we should always question that that very issue. And then you, you said your dad talked about the equity of time or something, Tim. I thought that was kind of interesting. Right. Well, my dad, um, and we were talking about this in between um, segments here. My dad had always talked to me about time and that you make choices about your time. You can never get time back. Time waits on no one. And with all this talk recently about equity and equality, and the two are different, and those that use the words equity, that's kind of code words for taking other people's stuff because they're trying to get to an equal outcome. We'll never get to an equal outcome. But what I did realize is the great equalizer, the great equity is time. And we each have 24 hours in a day. And, of course, with the American idea, that time, uh, I'm just thinking of this as we're on the air, that time is your property. And what you choose to do with that, you you may become successful, you may have good outcomes, you may have consequences from that, but that's inherent in freedom. So the great equity is time. But then we're going to have unequal outcomes because everybody makes different choices with their time, Jay. Well, that's exactly right. I think it's a well-discussed uh, idea of the equality of outcome versus the equality of opportunity. And all that our, our uh, God and our country uh, give us is equality of opportunity. You can do whatever you want in America. As long as you follow the law and the rule, don't hurt someone else, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> that makes us kind of unique in the world and in history. And why are we trying to destroy that? Well, because of some misguided idea that uh, the Barack Obamas and the lefties and the Joe Bidens and all these other clowns have. Well, I, I disagree with that. I say you're wrong, and I'm going to stand against you, and I'm not going to adhere to your way of thinking. So I think this your father's point of the, the, the equality of time, that's the basis, and I think that's a really uh, smart way of looking at it. And then you said... The choices you make determine your outcome. Absolutely. If some clown went to college and spent $100,000, went into debt to get an underwater basket-weaving degree, what should they expect to make on the outside? It's pretty easy to figure out you're not going to be paid to weave baskets underwater. So why are we paying for their mistake, for their decision? Uh, And it just, the list goes on. So... I like this uh, concept a lot. Well, and I I have um, real libertarian tendencies in as much as, uh, and I think you as well, when you say you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't um, hurt somebody else. But if people are making a choice and then expecting a government program to come in and and help help with whatever the consequences are of that choice, then... Uh, then they're not being responsible for those choices. And I don't think that government should step in. If people have fallen on hard times, we used to have something called charity. And charity was not this ongoing handout. It was a a hand up to try to help people get out of a a difficult situation. And uh, so I think we need to lower taxes, let people have more money in their pockets. Then they can choose how they help people that may have fallen on hard times. But I think that's a much better answer to all of the, the things that's going on in our, our society right now. Yeah, you're right. And you, you were channeling Bob Cote over at Step 13. It, you know, a hand up is to help somebody get off the, the, 
get out of the mud and start his own process, not a handout. And that's the whole problem that we're facing here today with uh, inflation. I know this is another topic for another time, but uh, all the inflation is is, uh, due to government spending. And I can walk you through that at some other point. But the fact is the government spending has to stop. And not only stop, but it has to be reduced severely. And our politicians have to step on the third rail. And they have to stop this kind of government incursion into our lives. Because every dollar that the government spends, it takes from you. Every dollar. And every debt that they take on, they put on you. That is not freedom. That's slavery in the ultimate sense. Well, and a a final thought on that is, is, and we're putting that debt on our children, and it's unvirtuous and it's immoral to speak for for our children and encumber them with this debt. And so that's why we have these conversations. Jay Davidson, I so appreciate uh, these long interviews that we get to do, and I also appreciate you and First American State Bank being a sponsor of the show. Well, it's an honor, Kim. Uh, Thanks for all the hard work you do, and I sure appreciate that, too. Well, and we're going to continue to engage in this battle of ideas. And our quote for the end of the show, and and, uh, actually Jay Davidson met Maggie Thatcher, but she said, you wouldn't keep political freedom unless you also have economic freedom. So, my friends, be grateful. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.